So tonight, I, I really want to encourage everyone here, everyone listening, welcome to church on a fr- Friday, on a Friday night, on Wednesday night. Um, I'm Brother Don Cullen, and if you're tuning in through uh, the internet, we welcome you. We hope you can be back in the house of the Lord soon so that you can experience some of the presence of the Lord that is found here every time we get together. And I'm going to talk about the presence of the Lord tonight. I'm going to continue with the message from last time. And I, I really want to encourage everyone to experience in all of our lives more of the presence of the Lord. Uh, now, Jesus, as you guys all know, is, an, is our example in all things. And let's see how Jesus experienced the presence of his Father when he lived down here among men. Let's go to John 8.28, please. John 8.28, if you could turn there. In John 8.28, it says, Then Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And verse 29, it says, And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. You know, brothers and sisters, the Christian life is a life that is meant, as you all know, to imitate the life of Christ. You know, Thomas Akempis wrote a famous, wonderful book called The Imitation of Christ. And that is certainly what the Bible teaches, a life that is an imitation of Christ. We are called Christians because we follow Jesus and we seek to duplicate the way he lived and the way he walked. And, we can, and to whatever degree we can do that, we do it because Jesus is alive in us through the Holy Spirit. To whatever degree we can do that. If our lives resemble in any way the life of Jesus, the life of Jesus, and they should, it is because Jesus lives in the Christian and we're following him with all of our hearts. And it should be our stated goal every morning when we wake up to be more like him, as imperfect as we are. Believe me, I'm imperfect. You all know that, and you all know that you're imperfect. And we need to be seeking to be more like Jesus. We can see here in verse 29 that Jesus said he experienced the presence of God the Father. Jesus said he was not alone, but the Father was with him. And that he was always in a close walk with his Father. Jesus knew this intimately by faith and in reality. And the keys to Christ's intimacy with the Father was here revealed. You see what it says? It says he always, he always did what pleased his Father. And so last time I talked about the possibility of us having more of the presence of God in our lives and certain things that we can identify from the scriptures and do that will bring that intimacy. You know, I always say the Bible is the owner's manual on life, and it is the roadmap too. And so it tells us how to bring our lives into the presence of God on a regular basis, on a daily basis, even a a moment-by-moment basis sometimes, to experience the intimacy of God in our lives, which is a wonderful thing. You know, to get through this life as Christians, to get through this life, not just to be religious, not just to punch a church-going card or I volunteered for Jesus card, but to live our lives with, with energy and a passion. To do so, we need the presence of God in our lives, the refreshment that his presence brings. 
And so I'll review some of those things from last time, things to do to bring the presence of God more into our lives. I'll do that in a moment. But a sampling would be, I talked about this last time, things like being thankful. The Bible says being thankful brings the presence of God into your life. Praising and worshiping, which we experience tonight, brings the presence of God into our lives. Uh, Living righteously does, witnessing, going to the house of the Lord. These are all things connected with the presence of God. The Bible says that such things cause God's presence to be more real in our lives. These things get God's attention, the Bible says, and he turns his face towards us, as I talked about last time, as we do what is pleasing in his sight, just like Jesus always did. Jesus always had the attention of his father because the Bible says he always did what was pleasing to his father. And I say it's a wonderful thing to have more of the presence of God in our lives. It's a wonderful thing. Because with the presence of God comes all good things. You know, the Holy Spirit is the one who is active on the earth. Jesus is represented through the Holy Spirit on this earth in this present time. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit has fruit that is associated with the Holy Spirit. For instance, love. Well, who on earth doesn't want more love? I mean, everybody wants to be the recipient of more love, and everybody enjoys, I think, giving more love to other people. It's a wonderful thing. And joy, right? Joy. Everybody on this earth wants joy. You have to be a pretty sick person, a pretty cast-down and depressed person to be devoid of joy and to have no desire for joy. That's a very sad state. But if that person's listening tonight, Jesus can give that person joy that they haven't known for years and years. Peace. Who doesn't love the feeling of deep and abiding peace, even in the face of struggles and outward circumstances not going our way? You would have to be crazy to not want peace. This world needs more peace in this earth, doesn't it? We need more peace. And Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Praise God. How about being patient? Does anybody here enjoy not being impatient? Does anybody enjoy here being impatient? Oh, I love being impatient. No, we all want to be more patient. Count to 10, count to 20, and have peace in the meantime. These are all parts of the basket of the fruit of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit brings in his presence in our lives. What if someone told you, I have a present for you, all the love, joy, and peace that you can handle on this earth? (laughs) Would you take them up on that? along with gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. Well, that's what God is saying to you. All that you can handle, he's willing to give you. And if you can't handle very much, he's willing to expand your capacity to handle more of that. I don't think by nature I have a large capacity to handle those things. I think I have a fear of success at some level, a fear of things going right. I only discovered that about myself late in life. Because in the circle, I was a cynical person. Something would always go wrong. And it took me many years to learn to trust that God will bring only good to us. And he will work us through the worst of circumstances. So I'm thankful for the presence of the Lord and the Holy Spirit's fruit that he brings. Do you hunger tonight for love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Then you are hungering for the presence of God. You know, Jesus, the Bible says, is knocking at the door of our hearts. He's knocking at the door of our hearts, and he wants to come in and sup with us. And do you know what Jesus brings when he comes to the door and he's knocking on your door? 
He brings a basket of the fruit of the Holy Spirit with him to dinner, to sup with you. That's what Jesus brings to dinner. And he brings bread, and he brings cold water to refresh us. Jesus is a good guest. He comes in when we invite him. And he always asks us, do you want me to bring anything? And when we say no, but we say yes in our hearts, for him, he brings the full basket of his presence. And he wants us to experience more of that in our lives. Last time I talked about the word panim in Hebrew, which occurs many times in the Old Testament, which means before or in front of, and how when it is used in conjunction with God or the Lord, it is translated as the presence of the Lord, and it's translated as the face of the Lord, and it's translated as before the Lord, or God turning his attention and his eyes to us. Not the general God is present everywhere, type of presence, but the specific attention of God Almighty. You know, in Jesus' ministry on the earth for roughly 33 years, he had the full attention and presence of his heavenly Father. Full attention, because he always did what was pleasing. He had all of that up until the moment of the cross. Up until the moment of the cross, when Jesus bore the sins of the whole world on his shoulders for you and for me. And that sin, not his sin, he was the perfect Lamb of God, but the sin of the whole world on Jesus' shoulders, that sin on his shoulders separated him momentarily from his Father. Our sin, not his sin, our sin that he bore separated us from his Father, separated him from his Father. And that's why he cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It was the only moment in time that Jesus did not have the presence of his Father because our sin separated God the Father from him. Other than that, every single minute of every single day, he was always in the presence of his Father. And he is our example. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. And isn't Jesus the master our example? Do you want to have the presence of God with you? Maybe you're listening tonight and you don't know Christ. Do you want to have a real relationship with God Almighty? You can have it. Believe on Jesus. He paid the price for your sin. I have a relationship with Jesus tonight. Folks here have a relationship with Jesus tonight because of the cross. Because Jesus interceded on our behalf so that we can have the presence of God in our lives. If we want to have the presence of God in our lives, we need to do the things that Jesus did, follow the directions of the Scriptures, and bring the presence of God into our lives more and more. You know, Jesus was a walking, breathing, living, doing example to us of someone doing the things that pleased the Father. And so he was never alone. He was never left alone except for that, those moments on the cross. Well, last time we looked at those things that bring the intimacy of God into our lives— And one of those things was seeking God. I mentioned that last time. Seeking God brings God's presence into our life. Let's go to 2 Chronicles, a very well-known scripture. People love to quote this scripture these days. They don't love to follow this scripture, but they love to quote it. 2 Chronicles 7.14. If only this nation would do what this scripture says, we would be in good shape. We would be in wonderful shape. 2 Chronicles 7.14. 
Second Chronicles 7 to 14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, like Brother Brian talked about on Sunday morning, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Does our land need to be healed? Oh yeah, our community needs to be healed. Many homes need to be healed. Many hearts need to be healed. Verse 15 says, Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. One of the things I mentioned last time that caused God's presence to appear in our lives is seeking God. And seeking God involves prayer. It involves humbling ourselves. It involves forsaking sin, which separates us from God. You know, the word here for seeking is, the, is a powerful word in the Hebrew. It's the word bakash. Bakash. It means to seek God with a passion, earnestly. Someone gave the example once of this. For seeking, it would be like if you turned around in a store and you suddenly couldn't see your five-year-old child who was behind you only seconds ago. How would you seek your child out? So earnestly, so urgently, even with a sense of panic, wouldn't you? Bakash has the strength of that. Or young people, you don't have any children. You misplaced your phone or your tablet or your wallet. I'd have the same reaction. I did it recently this summer at a restaurant. I walked out of the restaurant and I left my phone behind. And as I was driving home, I went to put on my Spotify to listen to some Christian music. And, oh, my phone's not, oh, quick, you know, did a quick U-turn. Race back. Fortunately, it was there. Praise the Lord. My heart went flippity-flop. Would our hearts go flippity-flop for Jesus? Would we have that sense of, I need to get with God. I need to seek God. You would seek it quickly and with effort. Can we bakash God in our lives? The primitive word is actually to seek out. The primitive root of this word is to seek out by feeling or touching. It's a very tangible pursuit. You're feeling, you're groping for God with your hands. You're feeling for him. That's the root of the word. God says, seek my face, my panim, my presence. What are we doing to seek out the presence of God in our lives? I know you are, but can you have more of him? Of course we can have more of him. He's limitless, praise God. No matter where you're with the Lord, you can go further. We can all go further, praise God. I can tell you some of the ways that I'm hungering for more of this of his presence in my life and for more in the body of Christ here at Living Word Church. And I'm tell, I can tell you I'm finding him in that seeking. I, I shared with you last time a little thing that I added on. The Lord just led me to start doing this. I don't know why I didn't think of it years before. But one thing I recently did was, and, I, and it's now a habit of mine, I do it every night when I go to bed. After I get done reading and I turn off the light, I start going back through my day and I start thanking God for whatever I can think of from the day. Whatever good thing happened, whatever thing happened that went smoother than I thought it would, all the things from the day. And I even thank him sometimes for some of the bad things from the day because I know that I grew through that. It was a trial, but God's helping me overcome. And I even thank him for some of those. And it says that in in the scriptures. Psalm 95, 2 says, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. Now, I don't shout joyfully because my wife is trying to go to sleep. But I do quietly thank God for the things of the day. Thanksgiving is a pathway to the presence of the, to the, presence of the Lord. That's what the scripture says. 
Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. They're associated together. Just like worship and praise. You know, at Living Word Church, one of our strong places, historically at Living Word Church, where we have experienced the presence of God is in our praise and worship. In our praise and worship. If you were feeling the presence of God tonight, it was because we were worshiping God. And the Bible says when we worship God, we are initiated into his presence. You know, one of the things about Living Word Church over the years is you could count on coming to church, and if nowhere else in your week you experienced the presence of God, you experienced it in worship here, praising the Lord here. And I'm not afraid to say that our praise and worship is getting better and better in late seasons, in the recent seasons. So thank you, worship leaders and team, for working so hard at this. And I feel very quickly the presence of God in our worship. Meeting after meeting. So thankful for your efforts and your prayers and what you do. Praise the Lord. And praise and worship is just one way we can experience the presence of God. Brother Ben and I were chatting after my last message, and he mentioned this scripture, which is one of my favorites as well, which is Psalm 84 7. Let's turn there, Psalm 84 7. This fits in very well, I think, with the presence of God, this message. Psalm 84 7. This whole psalm is about finding the presence of God in church. In the tabernacle. But let's specifically look at 84.7 of Psalms. Psalm 84.7. We were talking about this passage of Scripture. It says, They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. O God, behold our shield and look upon the face of your anointed. Coming to actual church is a great way to find the presence of God in your life. It is one of the strengths to strengths all the way through this life. To make it to heaven, brethren, to make it to heaven. If your goal is to make it to heaven, you're going to have to string together the places where you get strength and where you are refreshed in the presence of God. And coming to church should be one of the Strong houses, one of the strong places where you find the presence of God and you're refreshed. That is what this psalm is all about. We go from strength to strength to Zion. The song tonight, in your presence, right? In your presence, that is where I am strong. Praise God. We need to string together these strong points. Worship, church, prayer, Seeking God, sharing the gospel, seeking God, fasting, whatever it takes. String it together through this life. If we're going to make it to Zion, like our dear sister Daryl did this week. To Zion, the city of our God. For some years, I've been kicking off my day by listening to worship music when I first get up and I drink my coffee. That has been a strong point in my day. First thing in the morning. I don't know why I didn't do it for many years. I, didn't, didn't, I started doing it. And first thing in the morning, I put my earphones in and I go to my Spotify account and I go to my 2,237 liked songs. I, I like a lot of songs. <laughs> I'm a song liker. So I never hear the same song twice. But anyway. Um, but coffee and praise, that's how I get my days. That's a strong point for me. I, I introduce Jesus into my life first thing in the morning. And I encourage you to do the same. That's a strong point. And that's made a huge difference in my Christian walk. Then I go to 
Reading the Word of God. As I showed you last time, reading the Word of God brings you into the presence of God. God's talking to you. He's talking to you when you study His Word. Okay, God. Oh, oh, all right, God. Okay, I see what you're saying here. Okay, I'm going to think about that all day today. Then I pray. Strong point, strong point, strong point to Zion. We need to string them together. And I know teachers and students find this in the morning chapel. Praise and the Word. Let's go to Psalm 119, verse 169. You'll see both of those principles in this one verse. Psalm 119, 169. We'll see prayer here, and we'll see the Word of God. We go from strength to strength to Zion. Every one of us will appear before our God. Hallelujah. Psalm 119, 169. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. That's, that's a prayer, right? Give me understanding according to your word. That's studying God's word. So let, me cry, let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. That one scripture alone shows prayer and studying God's word. For how many years I did not start my day that way? And I, and I wondered why it went downhill from there. So we want to go from strength to strength to Zion, to bring the presence of the Lord into our lives early in the day. I'm trying to give some practical tips, brethren. You know, the Bible's not this esoteric thing. It's not this esoteric head game. It's practical tips. It's diligence. It's doing. It's acts. It's acts that are strengths to us that bring the presence of God. And I'm trying to share what little I have with you to encourage you. Hallelujah. I also want to talk about the role of faith. You know, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. It's an overriding principle of our lives. You know, whether we feel the presence of God or not, we have to go forward by faith, don't we? That's, that's a fact. Faith fills in the gaps. We have to go by, by faith. Faith and not by sight, the Bible says. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Hebrews 11.6. You know, our Christian life is a constant flux of moments of faith when we feel nothing and we carry on, and sensing the reward of doing the right things that God tells us to do, which we do by faith. And we go back and forth between faith and sensing the presence of God. Hebrews eleven six. If you don't have faith tonight, you're in big trouble. Because the Bible says here in Hebrews eleven six, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Faith is pleasing to God. He likes it. He loves it. He respects it. There is so much in this verse to unpack, but for this present message, this verse also talks about having more of the presence of God in our lives. It says here, why faith is important to bring the presence of God into our lives. It says, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Based on my study of the scriptures, one of the ways that God rewards his people for seeking him is through his presence. Through his presence. Let's turn to um, Psalm 42.2. There's a lot of this good stuff in the Psalms about the presence of the Lord. I think I exclusively stayed in the Psalms last time. 
which is convenient because Home Fellowship is studying the Psalms, so that's neat. Psalm 42.2 says, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Panim, his presence. When shall I come into his presence? Jesus said in John 7.37, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. You know, drinking water, Jesus gave that example. It's very tangible. We can relate to drinking water. And our spirits, the Bible says, can drink from the Spirit of God in an intangible way. We can have that same satisfaction that water gives to our flesh. We can have that satisfaction in our souls. So God can reward you certainly with blessings. I've had my share. You know, financial blessings and family blessings. But one of the rewards of seeking God is having his presence in our lives. When we get to drink from the, the well that the Lord gives us. In this, in this verse, faith and the seeking of God that comes out of the belief that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith is essential. Faith in God. Faith in what he says. When we have faith that if we do the things that God likes, it ushers us into his presence. And then we do those things and we are ushered into his presence, and then we say, faith works. I had faith that if I did the things that God said to do, that I would feel his presence, and now I'm doing those things, and I'm feeling his presence. Oh, okay, this all works. And then you go back to the well, and you drink again. Praise God. That's how it works. You know, I heard a song the other day, and the lyrics, the lyrics were, I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life, all over my life. I see your promises in fulfillment all over my life, all over my life. How about you, saints? Do you see the evidence of God's goodness all over your life? Do you see his promises in fulfillment all over your life? God wants us to see the evidence of his goodness and of his presence all over our life. The psalmist wrote, O taste and see, the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. I love how the the psalmist uses tangible words. Taste and see. I mean, we all know how to taste, right? We all know how to see. And he uses very tangible words. We can experience the presence of God in our lives. You know, God is, his presence is so real sometimes that you can practically taste it. You can actually, like a cloud. How many of you have had that experience in worship where the room seems to be filling with, it almost gets hazy. I can't explain it. I've experienced it many times here. And in prayer as well. We, we walk by faith. I get that. We approach God by faith. But his response to us in our lives is real. He's a rewarder. He lets us know he is pleased. It is not a mystery. He does what he says he's going to do. Just like an employer. Just like a good employer. You can count on a good employer. Your check is going to be there every week. There's no doubt. It's never going to bounce. It's never bounced in 30 years of service. God is so much more faithful than any employer, but he's a rewarder like that. You can count on him. Praise God. He will always keep his end of the bargain, his end of the deal, and his part of the covenant. He's not a man that he should lie, the Bible says. You know, older brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you, older like, older like this guy, older like me and older, slightly younger, you know, gray-haired people. I want to encourage you to experience the presence of God like you did in your youth 
And I know many of you still are. I get that. But if you're not, don't give up on that. See the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Taste and see the Lord is good. And middle-aged people, you know, don't get so caught up in the, in the grind. The Bible says that people in their middle age and their, their late younger years have strength. And it's easy to use all that strength for the world's pursuits. But if you use your strength, some of that strength for the Lord's pursuits, he will actually give you some of the things that you're wasting your energy on solely for, for, for worldly goals. He will actually give you those things as you seek him first, the Bible says. So I want to encourage you, taste and see the Lord is good. I know many of you are doing that. It's just just an encouragement. And young people, younger people, experience the presence of God and keep doing those things that allow you to continue in the presence of God. I see so many young people doing well when they are in the garden of the Lord at Living Word Academy in high school and they go to chapel every morning and they hear the word and they have Bible class and they're surrounded by Christians and Christian believers. But this does not always translate when you go to college or into the workplace. Of course, this is a time of test of your heart. I get that. But you need to do your best to continue to do the things in your new life, so to speak, that replicate the conditions of when you were doing well in your previous life, so to speak. You follow what I'm saying? In other words, you were flourishing. You can even acknowledge that you were flourishing in the presence of the Lord at Living Word Academy and being with your families. But so you need to build a pattern that allows you to flourish now. You need to, to replace some of the fellowship that you had. You need to have good habits of, of, of attending church and reading the Word of God in the morning and listening to Christian tunes during the day and sharing the gospel with others. You need to, you need to transition over to walking in the presence of the Lord as adults. You just can't go cold turkey on the presence of the Lord. Create new patterns of fellowship. Meet up at the campus with other believers. Bible study, prayer, seeking God, church attendance, witnessing, etc. You tasted and saw that the Lord was good. So keep tasting. He hasn't changed. Continue on in Him. And you'll do well, I believe. And God will be your guide in your life. And there's nothing better than having God be the guide of your life. It's wonderful. Now, some of the things that I covered last time that bring the presence of God into our lives, I already covered some of them tonight. Um, but I also want to talk about uh, what, somewhat of what Brother Brian talked about on Sunday morning. Not, not as far as the subject, the same concept, though. One of the things that can separate us from the presence of God is sin. And as we clear up sin in our lives, God's presence becomes more of a reality. Let's turn to James chapter 4, verse 8. This is, a, this is a scripture very much about the presence of God in James chapter 4, verse 8. James 4, 8 says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. So what do you think God drawing near to you means? That is to sense his presence and reality in your life. We want God to draw near to us. If God is near, you will know it. You will sense his presence. And when we're sorry for our sins, and look at the, look at the action that James says that these folks should do. And as relates to the sin that Brother Brian talked about uh, so, so, so aptly on Sunday morning, 
If we are sorry for our sin and we lament and weep and mourn and our joy is turned to gloom over our own sins and our shortcomings and we take repentive actions, I just made up that word, repentive actions, when we do those things, we are drawing near to God and he is drawing near to us. That's what Brother Brian was talking about Sunday morning. This is an the thing he talked about Sunday morning is an appropriate reason for lamenting and mourning and weeping and purifying your hearts and cleansing your hands and not being double-minded or hypocrites and praying and weeping and pounding the floor and getting up and doing better by God's grace. And God will draw near to us when we lose the presence of God because of sin, but we repent, he draws near to us. He's faithful, praise God. So I'm a very visual person, and I think in pictures and illustrations. And so this, camp, this, this what I, a slide I prepared, which I'm going to put up there in a moment, uh, comes out of that. So tonight I want to try and create a visual of our walks that show our journey through this life and sort of graph the times when we experience the sense of God's presence or we do not experience the sense of God's presence. And I, I, I get you, no illustration that I could con- could uh, create would be, uh, you know, a perfect illustration. This is just a, this is something that I think the Lord gave me a few weeks ago. It came into my mind and I was like, I'm going to try to put this down on paper, this picture that the Lord gave me. And so I hope this diagram for you visual learners will stick with you. Okay. And you auditories just close your eyes and listen and you kinesthetics just feel it. Okay. Praise God. So I hope this, this diagram with my explanation can help you uh, understand what I'm saying. So Really, everything I'm going to talk about in this is uh, scriptural. It's all based on the study of the scriptures. So if we could put the slide up there, if we could. So in this diagram, so the next one, please. Okay. Oh. The, the, <laughs> it's the amazing disappearing slide. So all the lines disappeared. Okay. Oh, well. <laughs> They're not showing. So I'm going to draw the line for you. So starting in the lower left corner... I have no idea where the lines went, but in the lower left corner, there's a line that's going to go from the lower left all the way up towards that red box. Okay? Don't ask me where it went to. (laughs) The slide I sent had that line, I guarantee it. So anyway, it's going to be hard to do this without that line. (laughs) So basically, I'm going to just pretend there's a line there. So in our Christian walks... When we are left of the line, over where it says not sensing the presence of God in your life, and over on the right where it says sensing the presence of God in your life by doing the things he says. So at times in our walk, down this literally an imaginary path that you can't even see. This might help. Okay, thank you. All right, so I'm, thank you, Brother Brian. So, um, all right, so imagine a line here. <laughs> Okay, that's our walk through life. So there's a time, our life before Christ. We didn't sense the presence of God. We were on the left side of that path. But then Jesus came into our life, and we experienced the presence of God. And we start traveling now down the road in the presence of God. We're on the right side of the chart. We're experiencing it. We're starting to do things that please God. Now, one of the things that happens with a new Christian, by the way, and if you're a new Christian listening, you should know this. This is biblical, that you're going to start out not in the presence of God. You get saved. You go into the presence of God. You come over onto this side, but then somewhere early in your faith, you're going to have an experience 
that puts you that puts you over on this side where you're not feeling it. So the early part where you're walking with the Lord over here in the presence of God, we call that the honeymoon phase. And at some point, the Bible says, in, in the, specifically it says in the, the parable of the sower of seeds, that at some point, early on in your walk, you're going to have an experience. It's either going to be a trial or persecution where you're not going to feel the presence of God for a time. It may be a week, it may be a month, but you need to still go on in faith. And you need to keep doing the things that will bring you back into the presence of God on this side. So one of the things that can happen in our Christian walks, whether you're a new believer or you're an experienced believer, is you can have a hard trial. And the nature of a hard trial is that you're not going to feel the presence of God during that hard trial. At first, that's what makes it a trial, brethren. If it wasn't a trial, oh, this is a piece of cake. Well, then you're not, you're not even having a trial if it's a piece of cake. <laughs> but when we have a trial, we lose the sense of the presence of God. But one of the neat things that happens with the Lord when we're over here is God's presence can intervene in our lives. And that's what the Psalms are full of, people crying out. Think of Job. Job had none of the presence of God all through that suffering. He, he didn't know where God was. He was a tremendous example to us. King David had many situations like that, some of which were not his fault and some of which were his fault. So he had the hard trial. So he cries out to the Lord, and the Lord intervenes, and he brings us back. And in the middle of our trial, we feel the presence of God. So hard trials can make us lose the sense of the presence of God. But if we keep doing the things that God says to bring his presence into our lives, he will hear our cry, and he will show his face to us and bring us back into his presence. Now another thing that can separate us from the feeling of the presence of God is disobedience. And I already talked about that tonight a bit. So sometimes folks go off on a trail out here into the area of disobedience, and they lose the sense of the presence of God. They lose it. And sometimes they even get hard in that position, don't they? And they even forget what it was like to be in the presence of God, don't they? It's like the presence of God presence of God, I don't even know what that is. They may have walked in it for 10 or 20 years, but it's like their hearts have gotten hardened. So another thing that can put us over on this side is disobedience. But if we do the things that please the Lord, which I'm talking about here, now Jesus' path, by the way, if this is the path of our lives, Jesus' path was way over here. He was always doing what was pleasing to his Father. Until we get to Calvary, still doing what's pleasing to God, but our sins are separating him from the presence of God. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now another thing, a third thing, that can cause us to not have the presence of God is a walk with bad habits. A walk with bad habits. In other words, if God says that praying is something that initiates the presence of God. If seeking God is something that initiates the presence of God, if reading God's word and worshiping and being thankful initiate the presence of God in our life, if we don't have those habits, we're not going to feel, we're not going to sense the presence of God. So many Christians have a walk over here where they're constantly straying over the line into not feeling the presence of God because they've formed bad habits. Now, there's one more scripture I'd like to share with you tonight. If you'll just go with me to Proverbs. Let me just pull this up for you. Proverbs 12, 27. So, so far, a hard trial can make you not feel the presence of God. But do the things and God, God will deliver you. 
He will deliver you. You will feel his presence. Outright disobedience can separate us from the presence of God. And a walk with bad habits will take us in and out of the presence of God. Look what this, this, psalm, this proverb says here. Proverbs twelve twenty seven. This is a person who has bad habits. A lazy man. The lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting. But diligence is man's precious possession. So a lazy Christian man or woman does not roast what he took. In other words, the guy goes out, he goes on a hunt, he shoots the deer, drops the deer, ah, I gotta drag this thing out, I gotta gut it, I gotta butcher it, I gotta cook it, just walks away. The lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting. He, he doesn't have a, he's missing out, isn't he? He's missing out on the delicious meat that will sustain him. But diligence is man's precious possession. So bad habits, Christian bad habits, will cause us to miss out on the blessing of the presence of God. And good habits will cause us to walk way more like Jesus walked over on this side of the diagram. Well, that was something. Anyway, (laughs) praise God. The missing line slide. Praise God. So anyway, I want to encourage you tonight, brethren. It's achievable to have more of the presence of God in our life as we do the things that God says to do, like Jesus, that always pleased his Father. If we do the things that God says in the roadmap to do, that we do those things diligently, not like the lazy man, but diligently, we will reap the harvest of the presence of God in our lives. That's what God wants. All the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So that's my message for tonight. So praise the Lord. Thank you. Um, If anyone here doesn't know Christ, I pray you take this opportunity tonight to turn to him. He has a wonderful plan for you. I've been walking with Jesus since I was 14 years of age. Smartest decision I ever made. God has led me to a wonderful life. It's a wonderful life in Jesus. Praise God. So I don't know if I see anyone here I don't recognize, but if you don't know Christ, I pray that you would commit to him tonight. All you need to do is call on the name of the Lord. Believe in what Jesus did at Calvary, like I showed there. He bore your sins on the cross. If you believe in him, he will save you, and he will take you to heaven. Praise God. And he'll see you through this life, too. Praise the Lord. So I'm going to close with prayer, and uh, thank you for your attention this evening. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word, and thank you for the, the illustrations in your word that help us in this life, Father. Help us all to go from strength, the strength of your presence, Lord, the strength of your presence through this life, Father. Help us to build a pattern of obedience to you, Lord, these, these high points of obedience where we can feel your presence, where you'll sustain us, O oh God, and carry us through this life, Jesus, until you come again for us. And we thank you for everyone who's here tonight, Father, and I I pray that you would touch each one of them and let the word stick, Father. Let the word stick with them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, brethren. God bless.